Well, after a bit of a hiatus, the Swarmcast is back and better than ever. Thanks for tuning in. David Eichel here, HawkeyeInsider.com, publisher for 24-7 Sports. It's good to be back. Really want to keep diving into this podcasting realm. Uh, we're going to be coming back multiple episodes a week, including mailbags, diving in the latest everything spring football. Perfect time to get signed up for a premium membership at HawkeyeInsider.com. 30% off for an annual subscription, only a dollar for your first month. Promise you it'll be worth it. The most complete and accurate coverage, analysis, scoop on the market. But again, David Eichel here, HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 Sports. A lot of things I think to dive into, but let's just really start with basketball. Iowa fresh off a home senior night loss uh, to Purdue. And at least to me, it was probably one of the more surprising uh, results of the season. You can always expect those one or two blips on the road uh, like they had against Purdue earlier in the season uh, against Indiana. Granted, Iowa was shorthanded. Uh, throw out the Nebraska game that without C.J. Frederick and even half their walk-ons were out. Just completely toss it out. Doesn't really mean anything. Uh, Iowa went four for 33 from three-point range in that game. Just a lot, a lot of weird things happened in that one. But Really starting to dive into just what happened against Purdue. I think, number one, I think Matt Painter's just kind of figured out Iowa's scheme offensively, and I think he has one of the more unique teams in college basketball that can defend Iowa, or at least limit Iowa to some extent. Uh, very good perimeter defense. They have a lot of size inside, kind of a mixture with the tall, skinnier Matt Harms, you know, Travion Williams, um, Eric Hunter, Nogel Eastern, tremendous guards on the perimeter. And on top of that, look, Iowa just couldn't hit shots. And it, with Joe Wieskamp going through a little bit of a rough patch right now, Luka Garza is still putting up 26 points, 12 rebounds, while getting immediately double teamed every single time he touches the ball. Uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit later. I think he needs to be National Player of the Year, especially when you take into account the, the numbers he's putting up while being heavily defended against primetime competition. It's it's outrageous. Uh, I think he is going to be a top two candidate. But I'll tell you what, if Iowa does not finish the season strong, I don't think he's going to win it. I think they're going to give it to Obi Toppin from Dayton. Tremendous player, but they haven't played anybody. Okay, look, they lost to Kansas in overtime early in the season. They beat Colorado. I mean, okay, that that's as many ranked teams as Iowa plays against in a week, and Colorado is starting to fall off uh, just a little bit. But going back in that Purdue game, you know, I think Iowa, when they can't hit threes, the defense suffers. Uh, and on top of that, look, people don't want to talk about it. Luca Garza dove into extreme detail about this post game. They got out hustled. Purdue were, was hungry dogs, and they wanted it more. And I think that's that pretty much sums it up. You had uh, Evan Boudreaux, who's averaging five points and four rebounds on the year, but he's turned in to just the Iowa assassin whenever you know he plays them. Uh, keep in mind, Boudreaux Winda was really looking hard at Iowa, but Fran basically said we they didn't want him, uh, and they filled his scholarship. And I think that's proven when Boudreaux hit a three on the wing in front of Iowa's bench. He pointed to Fran as he ran back on defense. Uh, he finished with 14 points, 14 rebounds, seven of which were offensive. Look, they were just quicker the ball. They, they, they out-hustled Iowa. They out-effort Iowa. They out-grit Iowa. Uh and I think that's just the story of the game. Uh, Garza finished with 12 rebounds. Wieskamp had seven. Nobody else had more than three. On top of that, look, Iowa's bench right now, it, it's it, you know it's extremely thin. Uh, and it was even thinner 
during senior night. Ryan Craner said he hyperextended his knee. Cordell Pemzel only played four minutes in the first half and had to leave with a with a leg injury. Nothing serious with Cordell. Uh, apparently, according to Fran McCaffrey, he's been hit in the same spot on his leg about three or four times in a row now, and it's just it's starting to just hamper him. Same spot, nothing you know egregious. It just happened. And Bakari Evelyn was quote extremely lightheaded at the end of the game. So look. That's all of Iowa's primetime bench contributors. I think the most important thing for them right now is to get rest because keep in mind, for right now, everything for Iowa, it's right in front of them. It's it's right in front of them. Uh, they, they do need, if they want to get a double by in the Big Ten tournament, Illinois has to lose tonight, Thursday, at Ohio State. And I think that is possible. Ohio State's rattled off three straight wins, starting to get their swagger back. But Illinois has been a tough outing, and they've been – Pretty solid on the road. They had a great game against Iowa earlier in the year. The Hawkeyes came away with a 72-65 win. Obviously, some issues in the post-game handshake line. Uh, tension between assistant coach and Fran McCaffrey resulted in no handshakes. Illinois was upset that Joe Wieskamp dunked the ball to extend the lead, uh, I believe, 11 with about 20 seconds left. And that really made no sense to me because it looked like Illinois was still trying to foul. Of course, if you get a wide open dunk, you're going to take the two free points instead of go to the free throw line. But that's a story. You know, that's it's old news. But it'll be interesting to see what, uh, you know, what kind of tensions built uh, at Illinois. But, you know, yeah, diving back right into the Purdue game. Look, Iowa just couldn't close out defensively. Gave up a lot of open threes. And it almost looked like they were, they were reverting back to old habits. I remember two years ago when they went 14-19, and 19, Iowa, it just looked like when they would get down big, they would try to get it all back in one possession. But Iowa made headlines last year, and it was noticeably improved last year in coming back in those games. When going down big, they'd get two points, one possession. Stop, two, stop, two. Basically going two-point segments. Iowa did a great job of that in the first eight minutes or so against Purdue. But every time Iowa would get within 11, 11 to 12 points, they would either shoot a bad three. Uh, it looked, it just looked like they were trying to take the lead from 12 to 1 in one possession, which we all know is obviously not possible. Shoot a bad three. They turn it over. Uh, there would be a call that goes against them, et cetera. I mean, the list can go on and on. Uh but yeah, I, I think that was just a huge problem for Iowa. And it, it felt like one of those games where if Iowa could have cut it to single digits at any point with in the second half, uh, other than you know a minute or two left, you felt like they had a shot to come back. It felt like the tension inside Carver-Hawkeye Arena, they were ready to just explode. Uh, there are multiple uh, three-pointers that if they just would have went down, I think it would have changed the whole momentum of the game. And then we're talking, obviously, about a different game. But look, Purdue out-rebounded Iowa 47-33. They had 21 offensive boards. Purdue dished out 21 assists. Iowa got in a little bit of foul trouble. The amazing part to me is Iowa still shot better from the field than Purdue. And it just certainly didn't feel like that. But obviously, Iowa finishes the home season 14-2. If they would have came away with a win against Purdue, they would have been the only team in conference play to go undefeated. Uh, at home during during the Big Ten stretch. But, you know, kind of looking forward, obviously people want to know what's going on with Joe Wieskamp. Look, I 
I do think that Joe Wieskamp is hurting a little bit. I think I think it's both physically and mentally. I think that he's just not as quick as he was beginning of the year. And look, every team's beat up. All the players are beat up. It's been an extremely long season. Iowa's played a very difficult schedule in 20 Big Ten games. It's it's no joke. It's it's probably the most physical league in the country. Combine that with the worst officiating in the country, but that that's just another topic for another day. Uh, but I think Joe Wieskamp, there, there were a couple times in the game where uh, the first thing that pops in my head was, I believe it was a fast break. They kicked it back out to Joe at the top of the key, probably two and a half feet or so behind the three-point line. He looked like he wanted to shoot it. He had an opportunity to shoot it. Then he decided not to, and he just kind of put his head down and tried to drive in. I believe he drew a foul on that play, but maybe a little bit of a bailout one. Um and everybody's just asking why is he so tentative, and and it's been really cool to you know Joe Wieskamp. He opened up a little bit post game about the struggle. It's really been I I don't want to say use the word haunting him, but I think it's a combination of he's hurting a little bit physically, and I think he's putting so much pressure on himself uh, to perform at a high level. And you know when you're the second in a one two punch, and your team relies on you night in night out, it is a lot. Um, but you know, in the last five games, Wieskamp scored a total of 42 points on 12, 44 shooting. Obviously teams are really up in his space. They are covering him hard, uh, coming off screens, you know, getting grabbed, held, uh, but that, that's just the way it is in the big 10. Uh, and it was even worse when CJ Frederick was out because Iowa just didn't have enough options on the perimeter to take pressure off of Wieskamp. But, you know, post game, I asked him, I just said, uh, you know, how's the team stay together? And I wrote this in a, a story you can see on HawkeyeInsider.com about how Joe Wieskamp can regain his offensive stride. Um, and he basically just, you know, started off giving a pretty typical answer about, oh, you know, the team just needs to stay connected. Um, and then he kind of paused for, you know, two or three seconds. And he just said, this is quote, it's just important to never get too low on yourself. Just remember the game is fun. You're competing on national stage with some of your best friends in front of thousands of people. You've just got to remind yourself how great of an opportunity this is. And you've dreamt of playing here regardless of how low and bad it can get. you got to remember those things, end quote. And I followed up by asking him, is that something you told yourself in the locker room this game and you've been, you know, and have been trying to get in your head for the past couple of games? And he just said, definitely, yeah, for sure. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So I think I think WeScam needs to... You know, he's got a good support system. The sports psychologists do a, a tremendous job at Iowa. You know, Wieskamp, multiple other players have applaud um, that department. And I, I think the important thing for him is just seeing one or two three-pointers go down, get started early. Because, uh, look, if Iowa wants to reach their potential this season, they're going to need Joe Wieskamp at his best. Uh, I don't think that's any secret. He... He's been a consistent performer for Iowa this season other than the last five games. I think having C.J. Frederick back 
is going to help. But what's also going to help is Connor McCaffrey, Bakari Evelyn knocking down a couple threes a game. Uh, and Joe Toussaint, because look, at the end of the day, I think Joe Toussaint's going to be a very, very good Big Ten player. I think he's going to be a good point guard for Iowa. But what I noticed against Purdue is at times when he would bring the ball up on the perimeter, teams would completely sag off him and they would immediately go double team Luca Garza because they don't see Joe Toussaint as a jump shot threat. And look, the kid's working. He's out there every, you know, pregame, does a lot of postgame workouts. A lot, you know, most of the time, one of the first guys in the gym. Uh, he's even stayed after some games for as long as the media has been there and and shot some baskets. And, you know, he shoots them pretty well. So I think Joe Toussaint and a lot of the role players shooting is going to play a big key in trying to open up things for Garza, Wieskamp, and Frederick. But I think Wieskamp needs to just find a way to kind of regain that confidence because keep in mind, he Wieskamp's a clutch player. Uh, multiple times last season, I, I'm thinking the Rutgers game, obviously the infamous uh, backboard corner three-pointer to win it, but also the two free throws against Tennessee that sent the game into overtime during that massive 25-point comeback. Um, I, th- I think he's just been huge. Uh, and I think another thing, too, for Wieskamp's struggles, Wieskamp is a great transition player, and Iowa's transition game has just been extremely slowed down, I think, over the past, you know, again, four or five games. They, they, they kind of regained it a little bit against Penn State. Um, but with Iowa's offense clicks and they play their best basketball when they can get off and running in transition. Garza obviously getting the seal block finish at the hoop almost every time when he's the first one down there. CJ Frederick's been a really good transition player. Joe Toussaint has been as well, along with Wieskamp. So I think that's important. If if Iowa can just give him a couple easy opportunities in transition and if, if Wieskamp can knock down a three, you know, we'll, we'll see where it goes. I, I think that it's uh, – I think that's how the team unlocks its potential. On top of that, like I mentioned earlier, I do want to get into this. I think Iowa still has everything to play for. They, they, they're still playing for a double bye. If they don't get the double bye, obviously they'll have to win four games in four days in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, but you know, I'll tell you what: with only seven or eight players at most, that takes a lot out of your legs. And after that, you know, immediately Iowa's just got to get ready to go to the NCAA tournament. And look, here's here's also what I want to get in on too. A lot of people following, I get it's a fandom thing. A lot of people after every single loss, they freak out. Oh, I was going down to the 7 or 8 C. They're going to, you know, blah, blah, blah. I will be shocked if Iowa falls to an 8 or 9 seed. Iowa has 9 quad 1 wins right now. They had a good home court record. They got some games on the road. And they have the most ranked, you know, I, I get that it's not in the tournament. It's not on the uh, committee sheet when they're seeding the teams. But Iowa's got seven wins over ranked opponents this year. They have quad one wins. They have some quad two wins, which could turn into quad one wins. Iowa could finish with as many as 11, if not 12 quad one wins if they beat Illinois and they get a win in the Big Ten tournament. If that happens, Iowa's going to be a four seed. I don't care if they have 11 losses because they're going to have so many quad one wins and not enough bad losses. The Nebraska loss obviously is a, is a smudge. That DePaul game is just one of the more mind-boggling, I think, stories of the season. Just how hot they started, and right when conference play hit, it's just like they ran into a brick wall. They just forgot. It's almost like the uh, Space Jam, uh, like the movie Space Jam. Uh, non-conference season, they're the monsters, and then conference season hits, and they turn back down those little bitty alien bugs. 
uh, and just they, they got outmatched. Um, but yeah, so Iowa's probably going to be, if I had to guess today what Iowa's going to be, I think they're going to be a five seed. At absolute worst, in my opinion, I think they'll be a six seed. I don't see them falling to a seven seed, especially if Iowa beats Illinois and they're one out in the Big Ten tournament. Let's say they lose their first game. Iowa's getting a five seed. That, that's, that's just what it is. I don't see many teams passing them up. There'll be upsets in conference play, obviously, all over the place. And that's just what it's going to be. So that's kind of the latest Iowa basketball. Uh, obviously, news came out earlier. Uh, Luca Garza uh, is a semifinalist for the Naismith Trophy. Tremendous honor. I mean, it, pretty least surprising news. I, he's going to be a finalist for every player of the year award. Otherwise... It's one of those things, too, where if he's not a finalist for a certain player of the year award, then what? how much credibility does the award actually have? Because his numbers are absolutely absurd. I'll, I won't even rattle them off to you. The guy scored over 700 points on the season. Obviously, a single-season leader uh, in points in Iowa history, passing John Johnson, who 50 years ago scored 699 points. So like I mentioned, Iowa going to Illinois Sunday. I think there's going to be a lot of tension. I think there's going to be – Iowa just post-game. Luca Garza, it was almost like the Popeye cartoons. You just see the steam coming out of his ears. He was calm and composed and articulate in his answers, but you could tell he was he was not happy at all. Uh, I kind of mentioned it a little bit earlier when he said, I hate getting out-hustled. That's something I pride myself on as a player. Uh, and he was just burned up, and he said, I'm already ready to go back out there. Purdue played like a team that was a bunch of hungry dogs, and, and they just they wanted it more than us. And he just said, that we can't let that happen. We need to play without hunger. Um, and they just got to get all over the place. He said, correct, Purdue, because they played like their NCAA tournament hopes relied on the game. And not that Iowa was coasting, but they just didn't play with that same hunger. And I think it's one thing to say they didn't play the same hunger. I'm not going to go out there and question effort because those guys put in way too much time uh, behind the scenes, preseason, during the season, postseason. I mean, they, they put in so many hours of their game. I'm not going to question a kid's effort, especially in college. So we'll see. I, th- I think Sunday's game, obviously we'll have a post-game podcast here. It'll be posted. HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 Sports. But... It's just interesting. This Iowa team is so interesting to me because I think it has Elite Eight potential, but with a bad matchup in the NCAA tournament, it could be a one-and-done. But Iowa, I I don't see Iowa going into the postseason getting blown out. I don't think that's what this team's made of. I think they have enough shooting. And Luka Garza, you know, keep in mind, Luka Garza's kind of breakout moment nationally was during the NCAA tournament, even with having Tyler Cook. Uh, John Rothstein, CBS Sports, tweeted about multiple times during the NCAA tournament. A lot of people did. He was hitting big shot after big shot. I think he averaged, I think, 16.5 and 6.5 rebounds a game uh, in both games. And that's where people kind of, okay, this kid might have a shot. So it, it'll be interesting. These next two weeks, and this this is fun, okay? This, this is March. And I think people get so wrapped up in what's going to happen in the future that – they just kind of lose sight of enjoying the moment. Because, look, keep in mind, I, I picked Iowa to go 21-10 and 10 preseason. I know a lot of people didn't. I, and that was because I thought Jordan Mohan was going to be held, you know, 
could potentially play. I thought Jack Nundry is going to be healthy. I thought Patrick McCaffrey is going to help off the bench. But after they all get injured, I'm like, okay, you know, 18, 17, 18 wins at most. That's pretty good with the team they got. But they've exceeded expectations. And I think when people, when teams start to exceed expectations, the bar has raised and they lose sight of what they expected out of the beginning of the year. Enjoy the team. And I think that's extremely important and live in the moment because this is what we all look forward to. March basketball. Iowa fans can be happy their team's relevant right now. And this is the time of year where basketball's on all day. It's great. So live in the moment. Enjoy it. It's going to be a pretty chaotic next couple of weeks. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. Do want to dive into a little bit of uh, football, not too much, but obviously the NFL Combine happened. Tristan Wirfs is a freak. He's, he's an athletic freak, and the dude secured himself a, you know, a, a chunk of change, I think, during the NFL draft. Some people are questioning his, quote, athletic ability. Okay, they've clearly never watched 30 seconds of tape on Tristan Wirfs. Watch two reps, and you'll see the guy is a freak. He's measuring at six foot five, three hundred twenty pounds, ran a four eight six forty yard dash, which is outrageous for a guy that size. Thirty six and a half inch vertical. He's he's gonna be a top ten pick. It wouldn't surprise me if he goes up to as high as I think number four in the NFL draft. I think he moved himself into that number one offensive tackle spot. And keep in mind, it's a very good offensive tackle class for the NFL draft. I also think that Tristan Wirfs. Proved to everybody he can play offensive tackle. A lot of people are talking about, oh, he could, he's going to play guard. Uh, he's, a, I think he's an offensive tackle, but he's got that versatility. He can do either one. So great on his part. Earned himself some money. Another guy who I think earned himself some money, Michael Ojemudia, might be a day two draft pick. I, I before the combine, I was thinking, oh, you know, maybe a sixth round pick or so. But he really turned it up a notch. Ran a 4.45 in the 40, which is faster than I thought. Uh, I think only five defensive backs had a big, a longer wingspan than him. And he, he he's going to be an impressive kid in the interviews, too. He's a, he's a really sharp kid, engineering degree, uh, very well-spoken, represent Iowa Big Ten Media Days in Chicago this past year. Just a, a really solid kid. So I think he moved himself up. At least a few rounds. If he doesn't go in day two, he'll be a very early day three pick instead of a mid to late day three pick. So, you know, good good on him. I'm really interested to see what happens with Geno Stone. Um, I think he's going to be a day three pick, but it depends on what the scouts and what teams believe is important. Are they going to buy into the measurables or are they going to turn on the tape and do a little bit more research on him? Because I think many of us expected, didn't expect Geno Stone to blow the, the combine out of the water. Measurable and speed and everything. 
But when you turn on the tape and you recognize the fact that Iowa was without four of their top six defensive backs for about four games this season, and the way he held was that kind of glue that held that secondary together, the kid, the guy was just a playmaker. I, I think specifically the play against Michigan where it looked like they had an easy third down conversion, Stone just comes out of nowhere and completely pops the ball carrier and forces them to punt. And that's just some of the smaller things that he does. He's a, he's a uh, very well-spoken, good leader. Uh, like I said, kind of kept the team together. And look, another thing I want to get on to is A.J. Epinesa is going to be a first-round draft pick. Okay, I know he's fallen off the board on a few of them because he didn't test well. Look, at the end of the day, A.J. Epinesa is a good athlete. He's not going to give you the best 40 time. Uh, only did 17, I believe, 17 reps on the bench press. But a couple things to keep in mind on that. One, Epinesa has long arms. Okay, It takes more energy and more strength to be able to go all the way down and all the way up. The second thing. His strength is not in his biceps, okay? he, the, the strength for Epinesa is all in his forearms, wrist, and his hands. And Chase Young is going to be a tremendous NFL player. He's a great edge rusher. But AJ Epinesa has the most violent hands of any defensive lineman in this draft. They're going to turn on the tape. The guy had eight and a half sacks in November and bowl season. He had 14 tackles against Nebraska. The kid is a playmaker. And keep in mind, too, this is the argument I always make when it comes to AJ and you know Chase Young and all that. Chase Young was not facing double teams as often as AJ. Okay, Ohio State has four or five-star defensive linemen all across the defensive line. AJ Epinesa got double, if not triple teamed at times. Because, look, Iowa's defensive line just was not as as stable or as built as it was the year before that when AJ wasn't a starter, but he played, you know, 50% of the snaps and he didn't have to get double teamed. Turn on the tape. AJ Epinesa is going to be a first round pick. I think he's going to be a mid to late. I think he's going to impress, he's going to impress teams in interviews. I think he's going to come back to Iowa's pro day with a little bit of a, of a vengeance. And it'll be, it'll be interesting to just kind of see uh, where he goes and, I, I do think that he's a first-round pick. I think Iowa's going to be well-represented again in that aspect. And it'll, it'll be, it'll, I just think that Iowa's going to be well-represented. I think AJ is going to carve himself out a very nice role in his true rookie season. Really quick, too, I do want to dive back into detail a little bit more about Iowa basketball before we wrap this thing up couple things I think need to happen to fix, okay? If Iowa wants to beat Illinois on Sunday and go far in the NCAA tournament and Big Ten tournament, a couple things need to happen. One, Luka Garza hit the nail on the head. With Iowa's thin bench, they need to make all the hustle plays. They have to get the 50-50 balls. They have to rebound. And look, I, I think against Purdue, the, re, the rebounding issue was just not being quick enough the ball and again, I think Purdue just wanted it more. But sometimes the way Iowa's defense works out in the zone, they've taken themselves out of position to rebound. I think that's part of a problem. But they also do that to keep fresh legs so they don't have to work as hard and chase people around in man-to-man. With that being said, they got to be able to find a way to rebound the ball. They have to out-hustle the other team because that's going to make the difference in March. Guard play, 
a great Garza and hustle plays with above with average defense, I think even with how good Iowa's offense is, that will win you games. That will win Iowa games. I think that's important. Number two, Joe Wieskamp has to get back to being Joe Wieskamp. We talked about a little bit earlier. Just I think it's physically and mentally just a little bit of issues right now. Um, he's just lost confidence. Joe Wieskamp's always been a scorer. Go back to his high school, a, a great high school career. You know, 30-point-a-game scorer. Dropped, six, I think, 61 uh, in a state tournament game. Or at least trying to qualify for the state tournament. The, the kid's a scorer. Uh, good all-around player, obviously. He's turned into a pretty re, you know, reliable defender. Good rebounder. I think a little bit underrated in that area. But he's got to be able to hit shots. Because that's going to spread the floor. That's going to take pressure off Luka Garza. And it's going to take pressure off CJ Frederick. Frederick and Wieskamp can take pressure off each other by knocking down shots and not allowing teams to completely focus in on one of them. So I think that's going to be important. Three, Iowa's got to close out better defensively. There were some plays against Purdue where I thought Iowa played great defense, but there's just better offense. At times, you just got to reward the better offense for knocking down the shots. But other times, even during Purdue misses, Iowa was not quick enough to close out. There are communication issues a couple of times. Guys, you know, three guys standing in the same vicinity. That's not going to get done. That's just going to allow open layups. And if you play against a team that can actually shoot the ball, and look, Purdue can't, Purdue's not a great shooting team. They have guys who can make shots, but they're not a great shooting team. They went 8 for 30 against Iowa from three-point range the other night. Um, but that that it, a lot of it was just open – a couple of it was just open misses. So I think in communication, they got to regain that kind of connectivity uh, that they have that they have shown this season. There have been games this season where Iowa looks like an Elite Eight team. Their offense is flowing. The defense is communicating. They're rebounding. Three, the three guys are scoring, and the bench is, you know, the bench is producing. Four, Iowa's bench needs to get back to what it was two games ago, three games ago. Bakari Evelyn, I think, is is capable of making some threes. Cordell Pemsel, they got to get him healthy. I think Pemsel, uh, he's played good basketball lately. I, I don't think it's fair to hold him accountable for what happened the other night. He only played four minutes, didn't really get a chance to get his legs under him before he had to leave for the game. Ryan Kreiner, I think his best basketball is ahead of him. Senior guy, wants to win. Has been around, has, has the experience postseason. He'll be a guy I think people gravitate toward as the season you know, comes to a close. So we'll see about Ryan. Ryan did say, by the way, he does not believe his hyperextended knee is going to keep him out on Sunday. He said he's going to, quote, live in the training room for the next few days and make sure that he's at least as close to 100% as he possibly can be. The, the next thing might be the final thing that it may, I think it was only an issue against Purdue, but it could have made the difference in the game when you, when you really sit down and think about it. There were a lot of three-point misses by Iowa that if Iowa followed the shot, that could have led to a layup or a second possession. I, I rewatched the game. There were six, if not seven times, where the ball would have went directly back to them uh, because Purdue couldn't close out they started running the floor early, anticipating that the big guy would get the rebound. But Iowa didn't fall fall the shot, and it cost them second chance opportunities. I think for the most part, Iowa's been good about that. Um, and it's no secret. If Iowa's shooting well from the perimeter, 
everything about their game is better. That's just what basketball is. Okay, it, it, it gets better. The defense is sharper. The communication is more clear. The offense is more aggressive. They're looking for their shot. And again, I think that's why Joe Wieskamp, it's important for him to really, really get going. So if Iowa fixes those things come come Sunday, come the Big Ten tournament and everything, I believe they're going to be all right. So I think that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Swarmcast. It's really good to be back. I'm going to try to score some interviews on here in the future. Okay, continue to edit this, put a little bit more segments in. Um, to really tie this thing together, make it the most complete and informative podcast on the Iowa market. But appreciate you guys listening. Please, please, please be sure to check us out on HawkeyeInsider.com, 24-7 Sports. And you can follow me on Twitter at David Eichel, D-A-V-I-D-E-I-C-K-H-O-L-T. And be sure to follow along our other contributors. Sean Bach does a great job on the recruiting front and everything else. Dylan Byrne has been a big help to us as well, a good contributing writer. Again, HawkeyeInsider.com, dollar for your first month. Get 30% off an annual subscription. Promise you it'll be worth it. The most complete analysis, scoop, and everything on the Iowa market. Uh, Again, appreciate you guys listening, and we'll be back after Sunday's game against Illinois to kind of do an initial breakdown of the Big Ten tournament and what happened against Illinois. For David Eichel and the Swarmcast, thanks for listening.